So there's a misconception that if you're single, you are incomplete, perhaps damaged, salvaged, and you won't be happy until you find your one. And that is not true. That is bullshit. It is a message that has been fed to us by media and advertising. The truth is, when you're single, you have the richest soil for growth. That's why I created this podcast. And unlike other podcasts, this one is host-driven, not guest-driven. That means I will be rotating health and wellness experts three times a week to give you the giant box of wellness crayons, not just the primary colors, so you can start building a meaningful life. It's time to give singlehood a cape. Sean and I were talking about how all forms of healing have become more mainstream and many of them have common threads that run through them, uh, you know, whether it's trauma healing or recovery, healing from a crisis, grieving after a loss, navigating a divorce, healing from a breakup. Um, and so we, they all seem to have common themes and common threads. And we want to chat about some of the core principles of 12 steps. So the 12 step program and how that can apply to most types of healing and really life in general. So we're going to talk through, uh, Sean's going to introduce himself and then talk through some of the steps of, or some of the core principles of 12 step. Cool. Thanks, Amy. Good to be back with you. Um, 12 step. So you, like you said, you and I were, were just chatting one time and real, and we both agreed that the 12 step framework of recovery work um, can apply to almost anything. Uh, it just seems like you could really take the principles, whether you are an AA where 12 steps started or NA narcotics or what are other ones? SAA, like I, like, uh, uh, I know about, Sex Addiction Anonymous. So whether it's behavioral or whether it is a substance addiction concern, lots of people going through a lot of different circumstances, but involving addiction or compulsion really cotton to the 12 step recovery method. And so I think we're also going to, in our conversation, demystify a little bit of it, right? Because people are like, are you guys involved with like UFOs? Do you wear, <laughs> do you, wear you know, uh, uh, aluminum foil hats? Is it a secret cult? Are you wearing robes? Is it eyes wide shut? And the answer is no to any of that. Uh, all of that rather. So, um, but really, I, Amy, should we just go like back, back, back? Like, yeah, as but if I think the person listening is, has like no idea what the fuck 12 step is. Yes, but I think you should introduce yourself first. Oh, hi, everybody. <laughs> I'm Sean Cardinale, new friend to Amy Brown. Uh, anyway, I <laughs> have been, I'm a sex and love addiction coach, and I came by it honestly, being a recovering sex and love addict myself. Um, the way I got to my sobriety, uh, coin 14 years at this point is through, um, a combination of talk therapy and 12 step recovery. And, uh, you know, some people really swear by 12 step. We'll probably get to that, uh, in our conversation. And I don't see how I could have been, uh, how I am now, how I, I don't see how I could have attained the sort of contentment and self-work and self-care that I've gotten to without a combination of both. That said, both the talk therapy and the 12-step. That said, 12-step is fucking powerful. And um, again, that's why we were just rambling, getting to know one another like a while ago. And we're like, holy shit, you can 12-step anything. So that's me. Was that good? Was that, was that, was that a nice little preamble? Fantastic. <laughs> um, I'm Amy. And I work with clients who are navigating many different healing journeys, including breakups and divorce, um, and helping them navigate the process in a mindful, healthy, respectful way. So my background is mindfulness and meditation. Um, and I also work with uh, alcoholics and sex addicts to help them navigate their relationships um, in a healthy and mindful way. Nice. Nice. Maybe healthy and mindful. We got to talk more about mindfulness sometime. Maybe I could be a mindfulness client of yours and do like a coach on coach thing. Anyway, I don't know where that came from, but the very beginning of 12 step Amy was, um, 1935. So to a lot of the kids listening right now, eons ago and, uh, uh, 12 step Alcoholics Anonymous is the original 12 step group. There were two men 
who met in Akron, Ohio, Bill W., a New York stockbroker, and Dr. Bob S., uh, an Akron, Ohio surgeon. And through the process of them getting to know each other, and I am going to speed through it, do the Notes version. Also, I'm not as well steeped in AA lore and history, but they got together to form this group because at the time, in the early 20th century, alcoholism was like, uh, it was highly stigmatized, highly stigmatized. If you were just called a drunk, it was hopeless. They probably put you in uh, some kind of version of whatever the psychiatry or, or the mental institutes there, you know, if it was too far off, if you were just blowing off the rails. Um, and so these gentlemen wanted to get together and just form, uh, not normalize alcoholism, but normalize the healing process of alcoholism, like try to do something that was spiritually uh, laden, um, supportive, uh, formed like a core group uh, uh, so that people didn't feel the stigma that was so prevalent uh, back then. And um, what they came up with was the 12-step method. And so I was hoping that you, Amy, could read the 12 steps. I think you have them somewhere. Um, I do, yes. And yeah, and this is, this is the basis, the, the OG 12 steps. From AA. Yeah, I am. Um, okay, I, I'm going to read them. And then, um, but before that, I just wanted to say that my, um, I think when you and I had initially started talking, I shared that my passion for the 12 step came not because I have experienced it myself, but because my grandfather was an alcoholic and he lived in, uh, he was actually from California, but moved to Edmonton, Canada. And at the time there were no 12, there were no AA chapters there. Um, and so he and my grandmother brought the first, uh, AA chapter to Edmonton, Canada. And so he was, um, this is, you know, back in the day before we had mobile devices. And so, you know, on their landline at home. Mobile. Um, <laughs> mobile. Well. What do you know about what year? Do you know about what year he, he started the, now they call them clubs. Like everyone, okay. AA is so prevalent and so popular mm -hmm. as far as recovery, 12 step recovery goes that they actually have clubhouses now. It's a huge organization with millions of people around the world um, engaged. You're not members, it's nothing like that. Again, we're trying to demystify it. But do you know about what year it was? I wonder what, 60s? It, yeah, or maybe even before, but mm. yeah, probably the 60s, yeah. Mm. So it'd be a big um, deal if you just came trucking up to Canada and was like, I'm going to plant this flag and it, help I all think these alcoholics would, out. I think it was kind of a big deal. And, and it was definitely his, you know, his passion. So he would get called, you know, I think he was everyone's sponsor to begin with. Um, and he would just get called at, you know, mostly all hours of the night and would go out and help and support. And, um, and that when you and I were talking that I feel like that model is so incredible, that supportive model, because as you were saying, yes, talk therapy, great one-on-one -on -one coaching, fantastic. Uh, however, the model of having, a group that you know that you can go to at any time, whenever you need it, um, a model of a group who have been through it and, you know, can, can really identify with it on a completely different level. Um, you know, not necessarily someone who studied in school, but someone who's actually lived through the experience that right. I feel is so uniquely powerful to the whole 12 step program. No, you're absolutely right. And um, I wanted to ask two things. Where's your grandpa from in Cali? Where did he leave? I don't know. You don't know. That's okay. That's okay. We won't tell your mom. We won't tell the rest of the family. No, I'm going to have to tell her not to listen to this one. <laughs> and he's like, Sean, oh, you for calling sank, me out. You just sank me. <laughs> Call her right now. Call her right now. I'll, I'll just keep we'll just keep recording. I'll just ramble. You just call your mom real quick. <laughs> She's going to kill you. <laughs> She's away. She and my aunt, the two people who would know the answer to this, are away. Oh. They're traveling together right now. I, like, I can't All get right. hold of them. <laughs> All right. So you could have had an accent like mine, like, what's up, dudes? Or, but now instead you say process instead of process because you're... 
died and woke Canadian. It's all good. Oh, one thing you mentioned, I did want to help folks as we go along. We should try to define as we use the terms uh, again, because we're having to do this recording and share with everybody who's listening as if you've never heard a fucking mm-hmm. thing about 12-step. And so when you said sponsor, that's part of the camaraderie. We call it the fellowship in 12-step. And uh, yeah. sponsoring is a huge a uh, crucial point. And because we're going to keep throwing words like that, I'll just define as we go, if that's okay, or you do the same. And a sponsor is uh, someone in the fellowship in the room. So you go basically to weekly meetings. Uh, you can actually you can go as many times a week as you want. You go to meetings. They're often in uh, like uh, side rooms or offices of churches, um, uh, you know, sometimes like athletic centers, whatever, like they're, they're all around your city. You just have no idea um, because uh, again, the whole point is to be anonymous so that no matter what the person is going to attend for, they are um, staying away from the shame, again, and the stigma for that very addiction, whatever they're doing. You know, I mean, you can imagine, Amy, those of us in uh, S groups, which is what we call sex, uh, uh, le- not led, focused groups, you know, uh, Sex Addicts Anonymous, uh, Sexual Compulsives Anonymous, uh, 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 there, there are a whole bunch of them, uh, different styles. It's... it's um, it's a little, some people are just downright frightened. Some don't want to lose their jobs. Some are trying to just heal their family. So we want to do it as discreetly as possible, not in secret because uh, we're all gross, nasty people, but because we just want to live our lives, heal this part of our lives, and then get back to get back to our lives healthily. So a sponsor in the 12-step groups is once you go, you check out a couple of meetings, you shop around for however many you want um, or however long you want. We often say go to like six meetings at least see if it's your vibe. And, um, and again, I'm not a militant about it, right? I'm not like evangelical about 12 step. I mean, I love it and it worked for me, but I never, ever Amy say everyone should do it. Everyone should do whatever helps them get through their trauma, addiction, compulsion, whatever it is. Um, but anyway, back to the fucking thing I was trying to find was sponsor. Sponsor is someone in the group who has more, um, who has a good solid hold on their recovery usually what over one or two years of sobriety and whatever it is and they take you on as like a a, they're like a mentor to a sponsee so um yeah i have two sponsees myself i talk to one once a week and i talk to the other one almost every fucking day so and check in yeah and you can reach out at any point right like this is the before you act out or whatever go into the behavior you reach out Absolutely. And that's part of the whole um, <clears throat> ethos of support and camaraderie and fellowship that you, you know, front loaded this conversation with. Uh, yeah, these guys can call me any fucking time. I get back as soon as I can. I avail myself, uh, you know, 24 seven. It's not like I'm going to get up in the middle of the night and just check my phone. But um, really, I get back to my guys as, as readily as I can. Uh, and you check in when, like you said, you're triggered feel like you're going to act out, feel like you're going to fall off the fucking wagon, uh, which means lose your sobriety, however that's defined. Um, And uh, uh, you also call and celebrate and you celebrate anniversaries, by the way. So we keep track of our, um, we keep track of our sobriety. So if I'm an alcoholic, my sobriety, the first day you walk in, you get a white chip, a 24 hour chip. And uh, I don't know what to say. It's it's a chip. It's like when you go to the casino and you get the little, you know, fucking uh, chips when you're playing roulette or whatever. Um, and then you have, uh, uh, one month, uh, two months, uh, uh, you go month by month, then you get something like 18, you get a year chip and that's a big fucking deal. And that's usually like a, some places have a gold coin. So you keep track of your sobriety and it's a way of just letting yourself know that it is one day at a time. And that's a crucial 12 step sort of, again, part of the ethos. Um, we just try to stay sober for that day. And you'd probably really appreciate that, Amy. And I know you do actually, because that just keeps you right here, right now. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And there's, um, yeah, one step at a time is your, or one day at a time. Um, there's actually a book about, um, Buddhism, mindfulness and recovery called one breath at a time. Mm. And it, it's, it's by a, a meditation teacher and 12-step practitioner. And it really, one day at a time, one breath at a time, those are great mantras for life, you know? Uh, and I think that that's um, 
part of the message that I hope that people take away from this episode is just um, as all of um, healing, whatever you're healing, all of these um, these threads that are woven through you know, religion, whatever you think of religion and spirituality and healing and recovery. And they're all efforts to get us back to, to knowing the truth about ourselves, to, um, to being present in this moment, to moving out of our ego, to moving into, uh, remembering that we're all connected. We're all living here together on this earth, uh, and to try to, um, I think, bring us back to moving from a place of grounded love as opposed to living in our ego, living in our mind, you know, existing in worrying about the, uh, the future or ruminating over the past, you know, carrying the shame and the blame and the guilt from the past or um, just stressing about the future, but instead being in this right now, right here, in this moment, you're okay, and you're just going to take one breath, and then mm. you're going to take another breath, and you're going to take one step, and then another step, or one day, and then another day, and if you can manage that, then it helps, as you're saying, keep you much more now, much more present, much more grounded, mindful, mm. um, and and sometimes mm. one day is all you can do, and that's okay. Mm. But mm -hmm. if you can just focus on the one day, then yeah. <laughs> sometimes you have what I call the, I'm going to jokingly call the Malcolm X days where it's like by any fucking means necessary, I'm going to try to stay sober, but that's okay. We, we sometimes also kind of tongue in cheek say, if you're white knuckling, which means you're hanging mm -hmm. on to your sobriety for dear fucking life. Like it's just a day where you're, we, we have a thing called halt, hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Those are like the basic triggers right so if you're just having a fucking halt day where nothing's going right you're exhausted you're pissed off you, you know your boss or whatever there's family tensions maybe tensions also uh, that come up as a result of the addiction even if you're in recovery you know shit is still coming up left and right and because you're in 12 step and you're trying to abstain from the act out you know taking the whatever the poison was doing whatever the unhealthy thing is um you are just trying to um uh, 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 not act out and get as much support as you can. And like you say, be in that moment, knowing that tomorrow will be, you know, tomorrow when it comes right now, I need to, I'm triggered. I need to call my sponsor, say the surrounding prayer. And I know you were going to go over the surrounding prayer. I think at some point with this share. And, um, then we should actually, before it gets too late into this, go over the 12 steps, just read them out. Do you want to do the prayer yeah. and then the steps? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Okay. Um, cool. and the prayer is, you know, the serenity prayer, a lot of people have heard of it and they don't even really realize that it was popularized by 12 step. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I mean, I talk to my clients about it because it's something that is such a brilliant mantra for living day to day. Uh, and I'm going to start, okay. The first word is God, but just to be clear, even in 12 step, they address it's, whatever you, God, source, universe, higher mm -hmm. power, whatever you refer to, whatever God you are comfortable with, it's not necessarily the Roman Catholic God. Not at all. Um, not at all. And again, just, that's, that's why, sorry, that's why at the outset, I, I was like, you know, there are a lot of, let's try to demystify or, you know, destigmatize some of these things as we talk about it. It's not, uh, 12 step is not a Christian anything. It's a spiritual practice uh, uh, to help you with very temporal and physical and spiritual ailments, right? Yeah. I mean, even whether it's substance abuse, you know, even though there is a physical thing, a toxin, a drug, an alcohol that's like fucking with your life, uh, and, you know, making it impossible to, to live healthily, um, the framework. And when you get to the 12 steps, everyone will hear it's a, it's a spiritual journey. It's yeah. how do I live my life more spiritually led, uh, more healthily, more aware, <clears throat> Um, uh, uh, you know, again, more in the present. So, yeah. So yeah. the oldest text, of course, like what I say was 1935, I think I said that the, that the original, yeah, 35 in Akron, Ohio, mm -hmm. that's when it was formed. So those guys probably were, you know, Protestants or Catholics or whatever they were old, you know, old white guys mm -hmm. walk around Ohio 
And um, so they, they, they said God. But today, most of our groups, a lot of the groups say higher power, and it's what everyone. And by the way, total little side note, I have plenty of friends, plenty of brothers and sisters in recovery who are agnostic or atheistic altogether, but you find a higher power in the group and the experience and the recovery and the fellowship. So it is not, definitely want to make that clear, not yeah. a Christian cult or, or, you know, posse. Yeah. Okay. Serenity prayer. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. I think it's such a beautiful, beautiful mantra for life. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm going to go and through. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I keep stepping on you tonight. You know, it's because I'm taking caffeine. We started recording. I didn't have the caffeine in me and now it's kicking in. I apologize. Um, again, to clarify, we start almost every meeting and end almost every meeting with that uh, prayer. Uh, yeah. Beautiful. So, so beautiful. that's why. Okay. So Sean, I'm going to read the, uh, I'm going to read the steps, but if there is any comments, if you want to comment on any of them, please just jump in. I'll let you go through and then maybe we'll jump back and see if there's some that stand out. I, I know two or three that I can, I can definitely share a little bit on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, jump in for sure. Okay. Uh, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol. This is obviously from AA. Um, does it change if you're in a different, if you're in something else, a substance? Yeah. So mine is like, we admitted we were powerless over um, sexual addiction that our lives have become unmanageable. It's just, it's fill in the blank of whatever, instead of alcohol, whatever drugs, trauma, it whatever is, yeah. it is. Yeah. Codependence, you know, there's CODA, C-O-D-A yep. is an, is a, is a 12 step for codependence. So yeah. Okay. Um, number two, we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Number three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. So God, source, universe, higher power, mm -hmm. whatever power we don't even with you. We don't even say him anymore. We just, you know, God, as we understood God, we just leave it. We're trying to take out all of the old school. Yeah. Stuff, I've got, right? I'm going to, I'm going with, <laughs> with the originals. This was etched in a. Yes, no, just... yes, yes. You're right. <laughs> was it a tablet? Was it two tablets? It tab no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Number four, <laughs> made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves, refined, admitted to God's source, uh, to ourselves and to other human beings, the exact nature of our wrongs. And actually, yeah, jump in if there's other uh, adjustments or updates. Yeah, no, they're, they're, they're almost entirely exactly the same. And again, yeah, I'll go back through and clarify once we get to 12. Okay. Uh, six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked God to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends, amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10, continued to take personal inventory, and we, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood, praying only for knowledge of the universe's will for us and the power to carry that out. I'm trying to update it as I'm going here. <laughs> 12, Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics, whatever. Other trauma. alcoholics, other sex other, addicts, yep. other whatever. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Yeah. I think mine, I'll try to find my book. There's, there is something different about that last one in all our affairs. That changes a little bit. I think just to update the language, because again, mm -hmm. that sounds so like 1930s, but yeah. the, but like 99% of that is exactly the same. Um, I think the point of view now in the 21st century is uh, you may hear some strong words, strong wording in here, moral inventory, um, making amends, personal inventory, character defects. We've changed a little of that language, maybe not when we're reading the 12 steps themselves, but in the practice of them. So the point when you get in is, and this is really critical, and this is why we're talking about the 12 steps. Um, 12 step recovery is not a, um, is not a process of going to meetings. Meetings are crucial. The fellowship is crucial. 
we get so much juice. We call it taking the medicine. And I think the original alcoholics maybe even coined that, that phrase when we get together and share and hear each other's stories. And I'll demystify that right now. You go to a meeting, everybody introduces themselves with what, however they identify. Some people don't even say it, like in mine, in my groups, uh, I'm a sex addict recovering. No, no, no. Some people just have their own euphemism or phrase or turn of phrase. Um, you read the, you go over the um, surrendry prayer, uh, uh, make announcements because we have conventions, we have retreats, you know, we have calendar events that we need to talk about. And then you usually do a reading from a source book. So the original big book is what they call it. The AA book has the 12 steps and all of these principles and how to basically work through the 12 steps. So it just expands on the original 12 and that's half of the book. The second half of the book is a bunch of shares that have, have been cold over the years. And I remembered, Amy, I know you want to, you were thinking of maybe ending this session with a meditation. I also want to read one of the crucial, most crucial uh, shares from the AA book that everyone reads now and, and really soaks in. Um, so that's what this big book is divided by, divided in rather. Um, sort of the practice and about the fellowship and about sponsoring and all the things you can do that become the tools you use for recovery. That's the first half. Then the second half is again, shares like parables, you know, little memoir slices of people's lives who've been through the process and are now um, basically singing, you know, singing the praises of the recovery process. Um, so number one is crucial. We admitted we were powerless. Um, 12 step recovery is a process of surrendering and something that I do Amy with, um, my clients, whether in group or individual, if they're having a day, like I was saying, if they're doing a white knuckling day, I like to say you, you might be forgetting to surrender. So I make them, you can do it right now if you want. Um, I make them ball up their fist and squeeze. And I'm like, do that for like 15 seconds. We won't do the full 15 here. Cause I know if we keep rambling, we're going to run out of time, but keep squeezing, keep squeezing, keep squeezing your hand, keep going, make it as tight as you can keep doing it. Now let it go. What's the experience of that, right? First, it's taut, it's painful, it gets tired, it might get veiny and red or sore. And then the releasing of the so hand, much release. yeah. that's the surrender, so. right? So it's not, we, we don't use words like will, right? It's not our, our best thinking and our will and our ego is what got us in the rooms, right? Again, if we have a spiritual defect of some kind, and again, that's a word that I'll, I'll talk about how we're not using it as much anymore. Um, if we have a spiritual issue, right, um, of some kind, then we're going to use a spiritual way to uh, uh, undo the issue, uh, to recover. So we never talk about like, I'm going to just beat the shit out of this. Like, nope, you're going to surrender. You're going to let it go, right? It's bothering me. It's bothering me. It's bothering me. What are the things that I can do? There are, there are, you know, five ways, six ways to act out the shit that got me in the rooms. What can I do? What are the millions of ways now that are availed me through the fellowship and through my experience and learning more tools and having a different attitude and behaviorism and spiritual outlook? What are any of those things that I could do to stop that fist from balling up? Right? What can I do to just uh, open up, right? Exhale, let it go. It's not egoic. It's the opposite of that. So. I love this. It's, and it's, these are all like, this is the language of meditation and mindfulness. These are, this is all the same themes, which is so beautiful. Mm -hmm. Okay. Next one. Uh, I do want to talk about, no, I do want to talk about that. Um, like some of the, I'm no, no knock against the, the guys in the thirties, but some of this language I don't, I don't love. So I would love, I'd like you to, um, Sure. Like which one? Update Name us. One. Well, I didn't like the shortcomings. That, mm -hmm. doesn't, that doesn't seem mm -hmm. very. Um, which one is that in? I'm trying it, to find out where that is. Um, Six and seven. Yeah. Defects of character and shortcomings. Yeah. So those are, yeah. Defects those are the character. ones that. I don't like that. Doesn't those sound are the right. ones that people chafe against. Right. And um, so I'll go, we'll go six and seven. Then I'll come back to, to, okay. to three. Because one thing you and I, when you and I were talking about putting this podcast together, the order of the yeah. steps is crucial. I have literally um, denied sponsoring someone because a guy who was very troubled years and years ago, I was, I was still kind of early in the program, but I had like two or three years of sobriety already under my belt. 
And guy came to me and he was like, you know, it's not working out with my other sponsor. Uh, uh, you know, so I, I'd like to continue with you. I was on, you know, one, two, three. I just, I kind of want to, you know, can we do six and seven? Might come back to four. I was like, nope. <laughs> it's like, no, there's the, so again, I'm going to reiterate before I say what I'm about to say, I'm going to reiterate again. This is not a Christian thing. This is not G-O-D, God, Jehovah, you know, Judeo-Christian tradition. That said, these motherfuckers were divinely or universally or source inspired. Like the shit works. And again, it doesn't work for everybody. I tell you, I'm not a militant about it. It, it, it doesn't work for plenty of people. And the problem is because all the groups stick so closely, no matter what they're going to the rooms for, uh, stick adheres so critically to that uh, anonymous um, aspect. We don't really have we have anecdotal evidence of its efficacy. We 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 have a good idea, but really we don't know shit. It's not like what Brene Brown does, right? Where she has been in the social work and in the field and getting recordings of people's you know suffering and vulnerability and shame for years and documenting it. There's there's none of that for this, even though it's been around for almost a hundred years. Yeah. So, um, so to the language, instead of defects of character, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, no, go for three. It's okay. Stay in the, stay in the same stay order. In the zone. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. So one, two, and three are like the intro, the introduction to the whole process. Um, uh, I can't is one higher power can is two. let higher power is three. So, uh, admitted we're powerless. My life's become an answer. That, that's what everyone asks me, Amy, when they're like, well, how do I define, you know, am I an addict? I never tell a client, yes, you are. No, you're not. I've had a couple of people ask me so directly that I was like, what you're experiencing and what you are, are what your behaviors are tending toward. Yeah, that's, that's, you're checking off a lot of boxes. I'll put it that way. That said, everyone has to define their own sense of it. And I always go back to powerlessness and unmanageability. You see my IG, I have a bunch of different shares. I'm like, what is it? What is it? Are you powerless? Can you not stop doing what is deleterious, what is unhealthy, what could kill you, if not actually physically, psychologically, emotionally, spiritually? Um, and has your life become unmanageable? That's the wake in the wake of the powerlessness, right? The, the Behind the boat of the powerlessness is this wake of unmanageability. Now I've lost my job. Now I've hurt my kids. Now I've hurt myself. Now I have legal ramifications for what's uh, happened. That's the unmanageability. That's super basic, which is why I often tell people a lot of the work that I do as a coach is steeped in the shit. Um, Came to believe, again, some people are, many people are agnostic or, or atheistic. It doesn't have to be G-O-D, God. Came to believe there's a path. It's just, again, not egoic. And maybe you can speak to this with your mindfulness work. It's just getting out of myself. I call my brain the ocean between my ears. There's fucking so much going on there, especially if you're <laughs> compulsive or addicted or, you know, you just got, or you have trauma or you're, you know, you're abuse reactive, whatever your fucking childhood or your early history has brought up. Um, if you can surrender that, like just get out of the egoic stuff, get out of your body even, and just go to the spirit and just uh, surrender that something bigger than me, because the, the addiction itself feels huge. It feels all encompassing. We're basically, sorry to use the analogy after saying no Christian stuff, but uh, you're basically praying at the altar of the addiction, right? So it's huge in your ego's head. And it starts to destroy you and it starts to destroy your body, mind, and spirit. Yeah. So you have to surrender that. What is bigger than that? This fellowship is bigger. The universe is bigger. I had a friend who was really struggling very early on. And I said, the ocean itself, we were in California at a, um, at a convention for SAA. And I was like, going to the ocean, going up to your ankles. And it's just a little like, okay, let's see, you feel it. It just tickles your, right? go up to your knees. Oh, can, you know, I can feel the movement now. Go up to your waist, go up to your chest. Now your feet aren't touching. Now the ocean is swaying your body. You could swim back, yeah, but you're not fully in control anymore. It's moving you. That's a higher fucking power. The forest is a power. Climbing a mountain is a higher power. Nature, Gaia, anything bigger than you. That's the concept. So that's where we also get away from the G-O-D version. It's just anything bigger than you, right? And again, a lot of... A lot of the a lot of the atheists are like the fellowship is all these men and women who have helped me all these years and are telling their amazing stories and being this vulnerable. You are my higher power. So, and that's the that's the beauty of it is when you're feeling like you just can't, you just aren't big enough. 
to manage it, then you have someone to fall into. And and right. I feel like that that is part of the beauty of of the whole program is just this support network. And and whatever it is that you're healing from, whether um, you know, whether it's recovery or whether you're just you're going through whatever crisis because as we talked about, there's these common threads in healing, whether it's grieving from a loss, going through a divorce, um, you know, health issue, whatever it is, you, to know that you can turn to other people who are going to unconditionally support you is, that's, I mean, that's such a, that's it's, a super strength. That's, that's everything, right? right? And some right, days right. that's everything. Right. Yeah. And it, it gets you off the ledge, right? Gets you to back up, you know, get you off yeah. the precipice yeah. of like, oh, fuck, I'm about to like harm myself again. So, uh, yes. So what's next? Number three, made a decision to turn our will in our lives over to the care of a higher power as we understood. So that's three and 10. And I'll, I'll get to 10 in a minute. Those are my two favorites because three is putting your recovery in practice uh, and not sobriety. And we'll define the difference between the two in a second putting your recovery in practice at any time, place, or day. A again, if I'm feeling troubled, if I'm feeling triggered, you can probably hear that big ass truck going by. Um, I just turn to step three. That's what we do over and over and over again. Something's bothering me. And that's the um, acceptance is the answer text that I'll read before we finish. That's so crucial. Something's bothering me. What do I do? Let it go. If I sit there and I ball up again, if my spirit, my body tightens up, tenses up like that fist exercise we did, um, it's just going to keep doing that. It loves that. It wants you to engage your ego. It wants you to get pissed off. It wants you to think that, you know, beat your chest like a gorilla and like, I'm fucking bigger than you. You're not. This shit almost killed you and destroyed your family and your work and your livelihood. So let it go. And it, it, people could be like, fuck you, Jean. That sounds so, oh, it's so zen and so easy. But you can talk about mindfulness. I mean, really, instead of engaging something like with a fucking jackhammer, you know, uh, with brute strength, you, you fucking breathe it out. And then you call like eight friends or however many friends and fellowship you need. You know, I walk out in the streets right outside my um, apartment complex and it's a lovely little neighborhood across the street. And if I'm that tense, I can just look at the trees as I walk my dog. And that's all a process of surrendering. Yep. And, and co-regulating or regulating your nervous system or, you know, with your dog, co-regulating your nervous system, um, mm. being in nature, do, I mean, it's all, it's all of the principles of healing, meditation, mindfulness. Uh, it's, yeah, it's brilliant. That's awesome. And you made a note too about Buddhism and my ex and my kids practice Buddhism. I'm still a cafeteria Catholic. Um, I just pick and choose what I want. There's a lot I don't want of it, but I still like the ritual and stuff. And, um, but the Buddhism that um, the difference between pain versus struggle, like we all have pain, but we don't all have to struggle. If we can let it go, same fucking thing. Let yeah. it go. The longer I hold on to it, like that fist, that's that huge principle. That's what Pima talks about all the fucking time. Like if you just let it go, if you find a way to not sit there and look at it and perseverate on it and stare into it, but just tell it, ah, it's okay. Just, I'm not going to let you bother me. I'm going to do my best to pivot away and get help in a different way. Very much like Buddhism. It, it absolutely is. I remember um, one of my favorite lessons from one of my Buddhist mentors. He said, uh, I was, I was trying to go at something and be like attacking something. And he said, don't like, don't do so. Don't do it with so much force. Be like a, like a, like a, a, a piece of tissue paper. And, and then if the thing comes and if you're trying to punch a piece of tissue paper, you can, you cannot, right? Like it's not, it's not gonna, it's gonna just fly up and then it's gonna just fly back down. And so he's like, just be like, just be like the tissue, just be like the tissue. And then mm. you're like, you're flexible, but you say you stay whole because you can't be punched. Mm -hmm. He explained it better. Than I am right no, no, now, no, no, no. I totally get it. But no, I totally sometimes get it. you have to be soft to be strong. If that makes sense. Absolutely. Right. 
strength and vulnerability. We say that shit all the time. I, I use that with my clients all the time. Like if you become more vulnerable and more intimate and more open yeah, and, and accessing all this self-care and self sort of uh, introspection, you're becoming stronger, not weaker, right? And we're acculturated the opposite anyway, men and women alike, especially in America. I, Canada, you guys seem a lot nicer, but I'm just saying. <laughs> but it's really everybody. It's everybody. It's, we follow you guys. Um, I feel like, and maybe it's just the world that you and I exist in, but I feel like it is making, we're, we're making inroads towards becoming better at self-care and self-reflection and healing. I feel like this kind of stuff is getting more mainstream, but, but that could just mm. be um, the algorithms that I happen to be on right, right. Now. Those, those are the people that are popping up in your in your stream or thread no but no i i think so too and i think i hope that this kind of work 12 step and and, and all the stuff that we do and whatever framework uh shadow work is so big and everyone's talking about now i gotta bone up on that more um attachment styles you know all of this stuff um if it's for your betterment who gives a fuck like yeah. what, what you call or where it comes from or you know it was a couple of, you know, old white guys in Akron, Ohio, a hundred years ago, but. They were onto at, something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They were onto something. Right. Right. Um, you were talking about the Kleenex or the, the tissue. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I call it sometimes mental judo. So rather than put your shoulder down like it's football and you just crush into somebody, instead you just, you just yeah. give it. Yeah, you yeah, yeah. Away. Yes. It's judo. Yes. Just let it go right by. Let, let the energy of that thing coming at you. Yes. Blow right by you. There's a, the reed analogy. There are all these analogies, right? Reeds are strong, but then they bow, bow, bow. And then when the pressure is gone, they come back and they, you know, so like it's, it's any of those analogies. Yeah. yeah. Love it. Um, where were we? Oh, so four, so one, two, three, and four, four. are like the intro. Mm -hmm. um, uh, one, two, three are like the intro. That's like, oh, you got your baby steps. And then you get to the fucking gauntlet, Amy. <laughs> and four through nine, Lord. Um, it's the work that's, that's capital T capital W. And I've even had classes, group classes. Like, what do you mean when you say the work? I'm like, it's, it's, it's the, the pedal to the metal. It's the rubber hits the road, like whatever fucking analogy, this is you going through the process of undoing or surrendering or forgiving. It should be not be, or, and forgiving and surrendering all the shit that got you in the room in the first place. And at the end, when you get to 10, 11 and 12, it doesn't mean, and I, you know, I don't need to tell you this. You don't need to tell me that, but it's what we're telling our clients a lot. It's what we tell a lot of people. Shit, friends. Like, um, this process doesn't get you through it, and then you're fucking invincible, and everything's fine, and you're Teflon, and it bounces off like Superman or Superwoman. It's you now have the tools to navigate the pain and have it be less of a struggle, whether it's the addiction, whether it's a compulsion. That's why you and I had this conversation in the first place. We're like, God, you can 12-step anything, right? You can just fucking 12-step anything. Um, and I believe that. I believe it. So so four, five, six, seven, eight, and nine is the work. Four and five is, and it's always writerly. So you, you, everyone shares the first step, how you got in the room, what, you know, what happened to get you in the room, what's going on now, and what changed in between those. And we get to know each other very well in that process. Two and three, you're usually just working out with your sponsor. Uh, and again, that's where the sponsor is crucial. Sponsor takes you through this step by step and it can take, you can do it 12 and, you know, all 12 and 12 weeks, one a week. It's kind of a little too fast or you just take your time. Four alone took me, I wrote four. It's like a mini memoir. It took me about a year, you know, off and on between work and meeting my sponsor and talking about it and being stuck on a part and you are just divulging. It is the unmitigated, unadulterated, unabridged version of all the things, wow. right? And and so I know that, you know, when we get to the defects of character parts, like, that's ugly language. And it is, it's dated language, but we really are, are working on those things specifically. So four, fearless and moral inventory, searching and fearless moral inventory. Everything's out on the table. Every fucking thing. My ego, my rage, my... Uh, jealousy, my selfishness. The good thing is, and this is probably a newer part in the last hundred years, probably in the last you know fifty of the history of twelve step. We always counter now 
the negative inventory, the darker inventory with a counterbalance. So it's yin yang, not just like getting your ass beat with everything that you loathe, that we know you loathe about yourself or you wouldn't be in the rooms. So it's, it's then I flip it and it's like my strength. Oh, well, you know, in my obstinacy, the flip side of that is also, um, I'm strong willed and I can be leader like, right. I can be decisive. Right. Um, in my, you know, rage is not a healthy thing, but I'm also the flip side. I'm also very passionate and I'm good with my kids. And, you know, so we do both now. So five is just reading off four, six and seven. Again, make a, make a, 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 a you ask your higher power. Can we get rid of these things? Can we do that? Um, you get ready for it. You prep again is number six. And again, we say defects of character because we're literally listing like all the things I said. Right. It's tough. It's yeah. a lot. It's, it's deep fucking work. I mean, is there an analogy you can think of? I, I don't know all at all, all the modes of psychotherapy or psychoanalysis or, or certainly not mindfulness, but you know, I don't know where else I'm sure you get it other places, but where you do that deep fucking dive, right? Jungian psychotherapy. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's all, it depends on what the person is working on, but it's a lot of people, clients come in with their bag of stuff. And as soon as you open the bag or the Pandora's box, as with any of this healing, you know, you take off the first layer and you may or may not know where that first layer came from. And then you dig a little bit deeper and there's more layers and more layers and more layers. And no one, no one goes to any of this work in their, at a point in their life when everything's going great, you know, no one does the deep dive. No one's like, oh, I'm going to just, you know, it, it always comes when they're already at a, a point of something isn't working the way they want to, you know, some type of a crisis. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and, and then often, you know, you realize that it's not just one aspect of your life, but there's other aspects or it's not just one trauma, but there's more traumas or it's, you know, so it's, uh, yeah. And, and really it becomes a life journey. I mean, I think, you know, I think that people, again, in the, in the algorithm that you and I are in, um, this is, this is a lifestyle. This is something that, um, whatever healing you're doing, we're, we're always going to be students of, of healing of some sort. Um, and, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. And that reminds me, one of the criticisms that I've received too, by folks who, again, really don't know about 12 step or are curious or a little, um, you know, wary, uh, even from a, one of my best friends, my old high school buddies, I'm still in touch with when I first got into this. Um, I don't know, it was a couple of years in, but it was still kind of new. And he was like, yeah, but you keep identifying as an addict and you keep going to these meetings and you repeat it over and over again. And I'm like, well, dude, it's not like um, a class where I matriculate at the end and get a diploma. This is how I'm going to live the rest of my life. This becomes my life and livelihood. And, and we, have a, we have a saying in 12 step, you know, whatever I put before my recovery, I will lose. Because that's the experience we had until we got into the rooms, oh, right? Oh, I tried to be, right, I mean, I tried to be an artist. I, I, I couldn't do it. I had tried to keep this big ass corporate job, lost that motherfucker. I wanted to be a family man and a dad or a mom or a partner. Um, and that's gone. Why? Because of the fucking addiction and because I couldn't stop. Um, so that's what I mean. It, it's exactly like you're saying. It's a, it's a journey. Um, we don't really look for a finish line. It's just, and that goes back again to the one day at a time ethos. All right. Um, where the fuck were we? Five, six, seven, ask for, yeah. So seven, we ask, uh, to remove our shortcomings. That's, um, and again, I know you don't like the word and I get it. I get it. You know what shortcomings and character defects are, what we call them now. They're, um, maladaptive uh uh behaviorisms right mm -hmm. or their survival mm -hmm. mechanisms yeah so those yeah, of us like mechanisms. you were talking about trauma right yeah. you were talking about trauma or i mean i am a an abuse survivor you know i've experienced plenty of childhood trauma and you know I, we may have even said it in the last time we had a podcast you know the security blanket the things that i use to save my ass 
and my sanity as a nine-year-old become a barbed wire coil. And that's the addiction. That's the act out. That's whatever is maladaptive and what is now fucking with my life when earlier on it was saving me from some really bad shit. So, um, so yeah, the language is kind of, but you get the idea. Um, Nine. um, So eight is tough and nine are tough. Made a list of all persons we had harmed, became willing to make amends. Um, We list the people. We list exactly what we did and how we were and how we betrayed them. And we include ourselves in eight and nine, which is crucial. Mm -hmm. We betrayed ourselves and we hug ourselves and we, we say sorry to that younger person you know you had no you know you were in this predicament that predicament and you went this way and now we're just going to hug ourselves and, and and make amends to ourselves as well and so um eight and nine are really powerful one thing crucial about nine making direct amends to people whenever possible except when to do so when injure them or others we stick very closely to that i didn't reach out to like i'll be honest like one of a one of my college girlfriends because i was like you know, she's happily married. I see her on the internet. I see her on the social media. We're not friends. We're not talking, not for any reason. Just we never got back in touch. We had such a rocky road. I just pivot back to my sponsor or to my higher power. And I do that amends in prayer and meditation. I let it go with my sponsor. And then that's good. And you don't make the amends crucial. A lot of newbies, when they're coming through, they're like, you know, I want to get those points. I want to, you know, get better with everybody. Not the fucking point. Point is to make the amends earnestly. I fucked up regardless of their response. Again, you're not going to go do it to make friends again with your old college girlfriend, high school girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever, former lover, uh, you know, drinking buddies. If you're an alcoholic, you just make the amends, clear your side of the street up and you're good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, that's, um, that's beautiful. And, and I completely agree with that. A lot of the, um, a lot of the work that I do with uh, individuals who are exiting relationships, some of the stuff that they need to work through is not stuff that is going to be helpful if addressed in person with their ex-partner or whatever. Uh, so we do it energetically, you know, or they do it with me and whatever, just to to energetically clear it, to release it, as you were saying, to let it go, um, but not, but exactly it's good if it's going to hurt the person or it's going to upset the person or whatever the the other person then uh it's not then it's you know then it's kind of selfish to do it in person mm-hmm. so yeah it's going more egoic it's getting back to like a point system which it has nothing to do with mm-hmm. and you know i'll be honest you know some people don't receive it well some people like you know i had one friend who who i really cared for and it was a long time deep into recovery we hadn't seen each other in a while and she was kind of like yeah cool whatever and kind of blew it off and i was like Oh, I thought it was supposed to be more like revelatory or whatever. And it's like, no, that wasn't the reason. She kind of couldn't care less, right? She was like, okay, thanks. I was like, oh shit. And then there are other people, you know, who are like, yeah, you're really fucking asshole. And thanks for that. And mm-hmm. I don't know if we're totally good, but and I'm just saying this is kind of half hypothetical or half made up. But you know, there are people who just will chafe and be like, I don't really want to be reminded of all that, but thanks. And you just then you move on. Right. You right? can't There's be attached no to the perfect- outcome. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and then 10, 11, and 12, you're out of the gauntlet. <laughs> and this is like we were just talking about how it's a journey, not there's no finish line. Um, 10 is my favorite. So three and 10 are my favorite because three, again, I'm triggered. I need to surrender it. Whatever the fucking trigger is, whatever the circumstance, let me go take five minutes, 10 minutes, whatever I need and go release it, you know, or just do a simple, like you said, simple surrender prayer and I'm good and I just move on. You can do that any fucking time. You do any of the steps any time. Six and seven are big. If you're stuck on something, you go back to a defect of character, what do you call it, a, a maladaptive property. Like, oh my God, my stubbornness today or my rage. Oh my God, Amy, last week I spent a whole day like, let go, let go. This is old shit. Um, so you can go back to any of them any time. But three and 10, you can surrender any time. That's like the basis of our, of our recovery. And then 10, continue to take a personal inventory and when we're wrong, promptly admitted it. I do the don't go to bed angry thing. I may not even, we may not even solve an issue with a partner, with a friend, with a coworker, with ourselves, but try to just, okay, let's put a pin in it. If we can't just totally surrender that right now and make amends and we'll continue this tomorrow. Or, you know, you and I are, are, are arguing and, you know, we cool out, go to neutral corners. And then, you know, an hour later before we leave work or whatever the circumstances are, it's like, 
I apologize for my part. You know, I'm trying to see whatever the fuck was mine. Take responsibility for that. You may be still be pissed off or whatever, but I want to make amends. Again, we can put a pin in it or we can work on it right here. But you just you don't want to hold on to those things because resentment is such a powerful tool of the addiction of the, you know, acting out just that just all that searing, you know, like acidic stuff that just sits there and burns a hole. You want to let that go. And also great. That's great for life, for relationships, for connections. Always make amends. Absolutely. I mean, and and own your part in the situation. And, hey, I did something, you know, maybe I only, maybe it was only 5% my fault. But still, if you are there offering, you know, offering your vulnerability and saying, hey, I'm, you know, I'm apologizing. Well, it's going to do a lot to repair, um, you know, in relationships. Fights aren't or arguments aren't the the enemy as long as you can repair properly. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. anyway, sorry, please continue. Twelve. No, it's all okay. good. And I was going to say, you know, you can do another ten. Uh, you can do a ten step with your uh, mom and aunt later about uh, not knowing. I'm going to have uh, to. Yeah. Your grandpa came. Yeah. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Thank and you. now I have to make an amends for being an asshole for bringing that back up again. <laughs> In in case they didn't catch it the first time, just to remind them. Thank you, Sean. (laughs) Amy's never going to do a podcast with me again. Never going to ask me again. Uh, In 11 and 12, again, these speak to the spiritual, um, really speak to the spiritual uh, uh, aspect of the recovery process. Stop through prayer and meditation. Again, no church, no mosque, no anything, just prayer and meditation, one talking, the other one listening is how we kind of analogize it, right? Um, uh, To improve our contact. That's just staying in touch with the higher power, however that higher power is manifested, whatever we are turning to day in and day out. And, and, And we keep, it's like you keep in the recovery. You know, you just stay close to all the principles, all that one through 10, that big gauntlet you just went through, uh, three, three through nine, whatever. Stay in that. Stay in that energy. Stay in that spirituality. Don't forget where you came from. And again, not in a self-flagellating way. Just know that, you know, something comes up, turn to your higher power. Get to that meditation. Get to that prayer. Work through it. Don't go back to what you used to do instead and fuck off and act out. And then 12 is um, pivoting outward, Right being a sponsor, just being a good fucking person, right? Living the principles that you just learned and living that new spiritual outlook one day at a time. It becomes a livelihood. Like I said, I like that word for it because, it, you know, it, it's my life. I've said that before and people are kind of like, mm, that sounds pretty grandiose, dude. I'm like, ah, I mean, but livelihood, it's just how I handle my day. I catch myself. Uh, I serve, I do service, you know, and I don't mean I, I mean anybody, universal you, you know, royal we, whatever. Um, you know, and help others in the rooms. When we share our stories in our meetings, the newbies love that shit when they hear some old fucker talking about, you know, when I was, you know, you know, drunk and barfing and coming in the rooms, you know, 15, 20, 25, 30 years ago, this is what happened. They're like, oh my God, right? It's like, there are two ways that people often respond. Oh my God, there before the grace of God go I. So it's like this parable of like a warning and not again, not in a shaming way or whatever. You're like, holy shit, I don't want to do what you're sharing. And I came close. And that's a great lesson for me. And then the other one is like, oh, dude, I want what he has or she has. Whoa, that's an amazing story. You came through that shit. So that's where 12 comes in. We learn, we share our stories. And that's where the fellowship and the growth keeps continuing, you know, week in and week out each meeting. So there, there's the 12. Sean, will you, um, will you read the, the text? The that you were going to read? Oh, the, the acceptance? Sure, sure. So this comes out of the big book, the Alcoholics Anonymous book. And this is again about um, surrender and you know a lot of the principles you and I are both sharing, mindfulness. Um, let's see. And acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. When I am disturbed, it is because I find some person, place, thing, or situation, some fact of my life, unacceptable to me. I can find no serenity until I accept that person, place, thing, or situation as being exactly the way it is supposed to be at this moment. Nothing, absolutely nothing happens in God's world by mistake. Until I could accept my alcoholism, I could not stay sober. 
unless I accept life completely on life's terms, I cannot be happy. I need to concentrate not so much on what needs to be changed in the world as on what needs to be changed in me and my attitudes. Oh, I, just, I love it. That's so beautiful. That's amazing. That's like a meditation. It wraps it all up. It, yeah. 1,000%. Yeah. Um, oh, I don't know if I can follow that, but uh, I'm going to try. Okay. So let's, um, yeah, I, I wanted to to finish this episode with a really brief meditation um, for our listeners. So all right. first of all, Sean, thank you so much for sharing all of that and for taking us through the 12 steps. That was that's fantastic. I feel like wouldn't the world be a better place if we were all in support groups, healing support groups, healing whatever, whatever everyone can mm -hmm. heal. All right. Mm -hmm. That's um And that's where our conversation started. You know, we we're like, I think you can 12 step kind of anything. You can. You, know? you can. Yeah. My goal is to um my vision is to have support groups for people who are healing any kind of, mm -hmm. um, any kind of healing, but specifically relationship breakups and, um, mm -hmm. meditation. Let me share a book really quickly mm. before you do the meditation. Um, there is a book, the, um, a gentle path to the 12 steps by Patrick Carnes. He's kind of the sex addict guru. He's like the pioneer in the eighties. He was talking about this shit. It's not just for sex addicts. It is a generalized workbook. I offer it to people all the time. And if you want to work yourself through, even if you don't have a sponsor, you work yourself through the workbook. It's one through 12, exactly what you and I are talking about for whatever is bedeviling you, yeah. you know, whatever the malady is. Yeah. And, and, and although there's still a stigma with all of this really everyone could benefit from healing something right mm -hmm. we all need to heal we all, we we, mm -hmm. we would all yeah we would all be better people better souls more connected to ourselves and to the earth if we were always yep. working on healing okay Amen so so with that we'll do um a little meditation together so wherever you are just get comfortable if you're driving please don't do it and just close your eyes and for the next few minutes, there's nowhere else that you need to be. Just here, listening to the sound of my voice. I'll just take this breath and relax. And just follow my words. Simply notice your breathing. I'm breathing in and out. Breathing in and out. Breathing in through the nose. And as you breathe out, let your tongue rest behind the tips of your teeth, allowing your jaw to relax. And as you breathe out through your nose or mouth, whatever feels most comfortable for you, just feel your neck and your shoulders soften. Your mind might begin to wander. You might begin to feel distracted by thoughts or sounds, and that's totally normal. If thoughts come up, just notice them, and instead of following the thoughts, simply return your focus to your breathing. Breathing in and out. Begin to pay attention to the way that your breath travels in through your nose, fills your lungs, and then just notice your breath as it travels back out of your body. Sometimes it helps to place a hand on your chest or your stomach. Notice how your body moves as you breathe in and out. Follow the natural rhythm of your breath. Now you might find that your breathing has slowed down a bit. Just follow it with its natural rhythm, breathing in and out. If your mind is wandering or you become distracted, don't get frustrated. 
Just notice the thoughts that come up and simply return your focus to your breathing. Every day as we navigate through life, we're guaranteed to encounter ups and downs, challenges and successes. There will constantly be moments and situations we can't control. But one thing we can control is our breathing. Taking just a few moments to breathe, like you've done just now, can help keep perspective. Let go of unnecessary mental noise and shine the light on your inner goodness. Take three more deep breaths. And then gently turn the corners of your mouth up into a smile and open your eyes. Mind is like water. When it's turbulent, it's difficult to see. When it's calm, everything becomes clear. And thank you for meditating with me. Thank you for that, Amy. Thank you, Sean. That was fantastic. I really appreciate all your wisdom on 12 steps. Um, thank you. I, um, it's always a pleasure to have a conversation. Y'all are going to get sick of us doing podcasts together because uh, I think we like to, to do these. We probably do even a part two to this, but we'll be back doing something else. But thanks for your, uh, you know, the mindfulness and that. I like the, um, the smile, the corners of your mouth at the end. I've never done that before. I'm going to offer that now. It makes sense, right? Just smile. I know, right? Why not? It's good. Hold right. it through the day. All right. <laughs> we'll keep smiling. We'll check in again soon. Thanks, Sean. Thank you, Amy. I hope that episode was helpful. Hey, listen, if you want to share your singlehood journey, if you've gone somewhere, come back. If you have revelations and wisdom, please share your story. It's going to help other people. Nothing makes us feel more connected than hearing other people's stories. So just send me the audio of your story and you could just record it directly from your phone and email it to theangrytherapist at gmail.com. Also, if you want our Single on Purpose newsletter, go to singleonpurpose.life. That's singleonpurpose.life. You will get tools and articles and other people's stories and also uh, Zoom links to private gathers. So if you want to join our community, go to singleonpurpose.life. Thank you for listening. Be well. We hope you tell a friend. Hey, before you go, I want to invite you to the Single on Purpose private community online. It's off of social media, no ads, no algorithms. We got forums, we got live groups, we got webinars, and we have social hangs. We also have offline in-person hangs happening soon. So check us out. Go to singleonpurpose.life. That's singleonpurpose.life, and I will see you inside.